You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned in to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, almost game day. At least it's, we're getting there. There's a game on tonight. There is a game on tonight. And you know what's awesome about tonight's segment, episode, Thursday night, preview Bengals Dallas. We have a guest on. One of my favorite guests. I'm not just saying that because Duke Mannyweather is on right now and you can see him on the top corner of this video. But he joins me pretty much every year for the last three years. We get to talk offensive linemen because everybody wants to talk about that in Cincinnati. Duke, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me back, Lindsay and uh, Mike. Uh, always a pleasure. We seem to be able to do this, as you say, once a year and then around the draft time. So um, it is one of my favorite things to do is to talk offensive line play. Uh, but I've got a bone to pick with you because I hear oh. you. you're not going to be in Dallas this weekend for the game. I'm not going to Dallas, and I'm so bummed because Jerry's World looks absolutely amazing. It's on the bucket list for me personally. Just the images, videos, you have to go. My dad went to a game a couple years ago, and he said the scoreboard alone is something to just see when you walk into that stadium. So I'm extremely jealous of all the fans making their way down in uh, Dallas. 2016, I believe, is when Cincinnati was here last. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And the thing is, there are a lot of fans traveling to that game. So you'll see a lot of orange and black at the brewery Saturday night. And then, of course, for Bengals and the Cowboys on Sunday. But uh, as I mentioned, offensive line, it's always a topic in Cincinnati. And it's always a topic in the NFL. You look at this past game. Obviously, Joe Burrow struggled. Some of those sacks were because of Joe Burrow. Should fans be concerned with this new offensive line already? I don't think there should be panic mode right now. Uh, When you bring in new pieces, um, which you see a new guard, a new center. Actually, the only piece that is returning at this point is is Jonah. So you've got four new pieces. Uh, They really didn't take live reps in the preseason. So it's going to take time. Um, You know, Frank Pollock has a pretty good track record. Uh, getting those units ready to play. Um, They're going to play tough. But, you know, when you implement four new guys into a lineup, there's a level of continuity that needs to be created. Chemistry, um, the communication has to be there. And that takes time. Um, Fans are not going to want to hear this, but that can take anywhere from six to eight weeks 
where guys playing next to each other and where you can just kind of give a grunt or a look um, without verbally saying things to understand what the guy next to you is doing. Um, and then you couple that in with, you know, you've got a rookie starting at left guard at this point. So he's going to go through his natural rookie, quote unquote, growing pains. Um, and as we saw that, it is a hell of a way to start the season when you're when you're lined up against Cam Hayward. Um, Volson's play strength was always a question of mine and a concern on, on his tape, even when I looked at him at North Dakota State. Um, I didn't see a guy that can overpower um, his competition every given play. Typically, one of the things that I like to look at when I'm scouting uh, smaller school FCS, Division II, Division III offensive linemen is, are they physically imposing every single play? Are they finishing every single play? Is their strength the outlier, like the outlier in everything that they do? And though I thought he was very adequate and looked strong, I didn't see it imposing his will all the time in North Dakota State tape. So that was a question I had for him making that transition to Sundays. And I still don't think we know yet because, like I said, Cam Hayward isn't an accurate um, you know, gauge in terms of how strong a guy is because I've seen Cam Hayward do that to some of the strongest guards in the NFL over the years. But uh, I think there's small things. We talk about controllables all the time with the guys that I work with. Um, there's small things that have to get cleaned up. I think you saw Jonah Strugger early in in the game um, against Highsmith. Um, and, then, you know, Lyle Collins had a rough game. Um, he hasn't played uh, much in the preseason. I think he slowly ramped into to camp and then um, just the overall practice. So um, those two guys as veterans got to bring it. They got to come with it. I think we saw uh, Ted at center play pretty decently and Kappa play pretty decently. But, you know, you want better play from your bookhead tackles. Um, I think Jonah get there. You know, Lyle's going to have to probably play himself in the shape or whatever he's got going on. Uh, but again, another tough draw with JJ Watt. I mean, uh, TJ Watt um, that, that Lyle faced. So there's a, it, it's tough to say. You know, Pittsburgh has traditionally been down, but their defense, that front seven, is a hard draw in your first game with a new line with, uh, you know, four new pieces, with one of those being a rookie. So I think we'll learn a lot this week about the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line against Dallas. Um, Dallas's defense, again, you know, they may have lost 19-3 to Tampa Bay, but they're a very active front seven. They're deep in terms of their rotation in the interior. And then they've got a really special rusher in Michael Parsons. Uh, Michael Parsons that can do some things off of both edges. And then we know that, you know, D-Law, has the ability to line up at a three technique or an edge player and really cause some havoc. You mentioned Lyle Collins and just this offseason alone, I think a lot of Bengals fans were so excited because obviously the topic since Joe Burrow has arrived here and even honestly since after the 2015 season is this offensive line. He was a big free agent signing. What did you like about that? Because obviously he didn't get a lot of reps in training camp and you're pretty much playing catch up when you don't play in preseason either, but still a solid signing for them when it comes to right tackle. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, sword with not playing guys in the preseason. Um, you like to think that you're getting enough work in and practice during camp and then enjoy practices where you don't have to quote unquote expose them um, in, in, in preseason games to injury uh, is really what it is. You want to keep these guys as healthy as possible 
but there's something to be said about game tempo. There's something to be said about the ebbs and flows of a game and being able to dig yourself out, uh, you know, drive in and drive out and really getting up for it. That I think that goes uh, a little under the radar. Like, yes, these guys are professionals, but the game, the game, being in game presents its own set of challenges that no joint practice, that no uh, scrimmage or anything that is a bit that's scripted uh, can really prepare you for because. Anything can happen when you get out there in a live performance situation. And, and that goes for any sports. I mean, we all have a, the old cliche, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. And that goes for every sport. I mean, I can have a testament to that as, you know, still as a competitive powerlifter. I had one of my best preps ever, um, and I step up on the platform for my opening squat, and I tear my quad tendon, patella tendon in my left knee, quad tendon in my right knee. Great prep. Thought I was going to break a couple of records that day. And with one rep, I was done. Um, so you just never know in competition uh, the ebbs and flows and the challenges and the adversity that you're going to have to battle back for from. And the only thing that really prepares you for that in the NFL is being able to play in live situations. So I think with Lyell, um, you would like to see him have a better showing this week. Um, it looked like that the game was moving just a little faster than he was able to process and either react to. Um, hopefully that's just a little rust and that's not uh, a, a bigger uh, litmus test or telltale sign of maybe, maybe some decline. Uh, maybe he came in banged up. I don't know how to talk to LC, uh, but it was not one of his better showings. But again, you're playing against TJ Watt. You're playing against an active front seven. But uh, there were some controllables there that I didn't think he owned. But I would like to see LC come out this week um, looking like the 71 that we saw in Dallas. And I think he's going to have a little added motivation this week coming back into AT&T Stadium, knowing what was said about him uh, from the team side from Dallas. Um, understand that he was he felt like he was kind of discarded, you know, or, you know, there was reports that he had ran his course, that he had soured people in the building the runway. So players typically find that intrinsic motivation uh, and sometimes external motivation to get up for situations like that. But at the end of the day, like football is football. Your fundamentals, your, your movement, all that stuff has to be there. It doesn't matter what your intentions are of getting up for the game and all that. If you can't play and you can't execute the fundamentals and the basics and stuff like that, that shit doesn't matter at all. So you've got to come out and be ready to go. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We talk about some of the free agents, Ted Karras, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras was even named a captain right before the season started. Some of the guys who had a pretty solid game would be, I would consider Alex Kappa. And then you look at the relationship that Ted Karras is getting early with his quarterback and Joe Burrow. What did you think about those signings for the club? Yeah, absolutely. Ted has been a very steady uh, veteran. Um, you know, he's not going to wow you with anything that he does, but dependable, dependable, uh, available all the time. Um, and so he's a quality starter. Um, Alex Kappa, um, same thing. Alex Kappa is a guy that can do a bunch of different things. 
He's big. He's physical. He's had great success early on in his career at Tampa Bay. Uh, was able to bounce back from an injury. Um, and I'm partial to Alex Kappa because Alex Kappa went to my alma mater. And I was actually part of uh, the staff that recruited Alex Kappa before I got into the private sector. Uh, and that, was, that would have been late 2012, early 2013, before I left Humboldt State. So Alex Kappa uh, and I have uh, a history. Um, and so I kind of know the way he came up. And so I'm elated to see him uh, having the success that he's having um, here in the NFL. But great signing, in my opinion. Um, I think that you saw him play a very steady game last week. There was a couple of big blocks that he made to spring uh, some runs. There was a nice drive block that I think I commented on during a live action that I thought was really good. I'm going to cut that up because it was just a guy tried to cross his face. He got underneath him, kept his feet moving, and just washed him all the way to the other side. That's the type of stuff you see from Alex Kappa, just the resiliency and everything that he does. But I think with – those three free agents that they signed, again, I go back, keep going back to this. Those three, those three free agents that they signed, they've got to show up, and they've got to be um, the the anchors, pun intended, uh, of that offensive line to bring that young guy along, and then with Jonah's veteran presence. Jonah Williams, you know, when you think about left tackles in the NFL, it's really good to have a solid left tackle. And that's where the money is. If you're not getting paid at the guard position, I feel like this is a big season for Jonah Williams. You know, you think about early on in his career in Cincinnati and he was battling injuries and just getting through a full season was huge for Jonah. What do you think the future is for him on this squad and what he can really do this season at left tackle? Quite frankly, um, there's a couple of different things that go into that. You mentioned the injuries, but then you also mentioned you also have to take into account uh, the different coaching that he's had now. You know, so um, I think that under Frank Pollock, uh, now you would like to see Jonah continue to play with more consistency and take a leap. Um, you know, barring injury, I think that uh, Jonah's still on the trajectory to have a really good season. Um, and I, again, I think it's it's a huge. Um, it's huge. You know, if Jonah can prove that he's a high quality uh, top end starter, he's going to get paid as such. Um, if not, you know, you know, you're kind of leaving it to chance to see exactly uh, what type of money that you're going to earn. But I would like to see him come out. I would like to see him be very, very, uh, you know, um, the, the, the consistent in terms of pass protection. Um, because I, I really like Jonah. He was a guy that I liked at Alabama. I just love the things that he did. And I saw where his career could go. Um, sadly, uh, early on, that was slowed by injuries and then also coaching changes. So, uh, again, with the position needs stability and continuity. So now with Frank Pollock back, um, you know, another year under the belt, um, I, I would like to see Jonah take the lead now because I think this is now going to be year two of Frank being back. Um, so let's see, let's see that, that uh, escalation in, in uh, performance. To flip sides, Quentin Nelson seems to get like all of the hype for every offensive lineman, but facing Dallas this week, and I think Zach Martin is probably just as good and has been for about a decade. Zach, Martin's, is, a, Zach Martin's the best guard in the league. Um, that's what – Plain and simple. Um, I love Quentin Nelson. I think Quentin Nelson is the best left guard in the league. Uh, and Zach Martin is the best right guard in the league. But I think that 
Zach Martin is the best offensive lineman in the NFL. And I mean, that's regardless of position. I don't matter tackle, guard, center. I think he is the best offensive lineman in the league. Uh, Trent Williams is probably right after him. Um, but the consistency in which Zach plays with, technique, fundamentals, his ability to recover, you don't really see him out of position or get beat much. And the thing is, is he's been able to do it um, no matter who's behind him running, no matter who's on the side of him. He's now played with, uh, I believe, three centers. Um, he's played with Travis Frederick. He's played with uh, Joe Looney. He's played now with Tyler Biotis. Um, he's played again with four or five right tackles, um, with Doug Free, Jeremy Parnell, Myel um, Collins, and uh, now Terrence Steele. But Zach Martin has remained constant. So um, I'm a fan of Zach. Zach's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we chat all the time, exchange ideas, bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Yeah, just he feels like the offensive lineman's offensive lineman. And he just seems like when I when I've watched, I don't have as talented of an eye. But when I watch him, I'm just like that. I mean, Quentin Nelson gets the hype, but Zach Martin to me is just as good or better. And like you're saying, it kind of uh, confirms that um, thought. So well, last Quint, question. Quint, Quentin's really, really good. Yeah. I yeah. Think, I think what sticks out about Quentin is that he has so many physical and highlight type blocks that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's what that's what society is right now. Like the, the social media, the things that you can go up there that where the average person understands, oh, he just knocked the hell out of somebody, you know, you, you know, and I mean, that's part of Quentin's game. But you know, also locking people up as a part of Quentin's game. So Quentin can do it all, you know, but I think the notoriety that Quentin gets uh, is just uh, because he is one of the best in the game, which, you know, you can't take that away from him. The way he plays the game, he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. He plays the game with passion. He plays the game tough. He plays the game physical. He plays with an edge. Um, and again, he, you're going to turn on the tape and you're going to see some physical devastating blocks. So Quentin Nelson, in my book, um, you know, is trajectory to be a Hall of Famer himself. Yeah, he's incredible. I just I think they should give the same amount of love on the other side to Zach Martin. But um, really just uh, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about was what is something – I know you, you've done some work with uh, Jonah Williams. A lot of people just think these guys are just, you know, hitting guys and blocking. But what's something that make, that stands out with him? I think of his hands and his balance as being really, really good. But uh, I was asked, wanted to know what you think stands out about him in general as a left tackle. I actually have not worked with Jonah. Um, oh, okay. My bad. Me and Jonah have a good relationship. But, uh, again, you just said his consistency with his sets, his balance – um, his hands, he's really patient. Um, the, the, the fundamentals are there for Jonah. Uh, some of the things that gets him in trouble from time to time is just his overall play strength, his ability to anchor. But as far as fundamentals, technique, I mean, he's a textbook worker. He's diligent. And in that regard, he's very consistent, you know. But I would like to see, I would like to see him consistently put it together where that consistency from technique and, you know, the critical factors and traits turn into consistency with uh, overall performance and not and, and do not misconstrue what I'm saying. Jonah has been a really good player um, and a solid functional starter 
Uh, I just I want him to leave no doubt this season and just be off the charts. That way he can go into free agency and maximize in every dime that he can get. I want him to have that type of leverage for the trajectory of his career. It's a big year for Jonah Williams. It's a big year for you, Duke Manyweather. I can't thank you enough for joining us. What's the coolest thing about you right now? But you have a lot of cool things going on. You got the beer, you got the t-shirt, the O-line merchandise. We love to see it. But O-line Masterminds keeps getting bigger and bigger each year. It felt like this year was humongous for you. And I love to see it because you're one of the hardest working guys on the league. And I love that people are giving you the attention you deserve. And I can't wait to see it next year. Thanks again for joining us on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. 